Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen to today's message from God's Word. Chapter number 7. We're going to look at one verse this evening and uh, just share a thought with you that's uh, been on my heart for a little while. I've preached this message one time before, filling in uh, at another church up in Albany, I believe it was. And, uh, but I, I, and I put the outline to the side for quite a while, and, and uh, a couple months ago I grabbed it and tucked it in my Bible. I've been looking over it and uh, waiting maybe for another opportunity to preach it. And, uh, and so the Lord's just worked it out for tonight. And I believe it's the message for tonight, the verse we're going to look at in just a moment. I believe that it will help us. And just want to try to encourage us tonight uh, from the Word of God and uh, share with you what the Lord's laid on my heart. But in the book of Ecclesiastes, if you read and study the book of Ecclesiastes, you know that it was written by King Solomon in his later life. And you know he starts it off, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And, uh, and he was looking at it. He was looking at life when he made that statement. He was looking at life without God, without fearing God, without living for God. And, uh, you know, so many people are doing that today, are they not? And they're trying to live and they're trying to prosper and they're trying to do everything they can uh, without God. And I don't know how people do it. Boy, I'm thankful. Listen, I'm thankful for the touch of God. I'm thankful for His presence. I'm thankful for the day that He saved my soul. And I'm thankful that He's with me every day. And boy, I don't know how people even try to make it without God. And uh, how, they, how, they can even, how they can even think that they're going to prosper without the hand of God in their life, without fearing Him. And uh, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But... But uh, it, the, the preacher uh, tried that. He tried everything. He looked to wealth. He looked to riches. He looked to possessions. And, and his conclusion in it all was it was just all vanity. It was all worthless. It was all misery without God. I'm thankful for the way God blesses us. And I'm thankful for the material things that He gives us and uh, the prosperity that He does bless us with. And, uh, but I tell you, He doesn't. It's for His honor and for His glory. And uh, we ought to be using it in that fashion. But, um, and so Ecclesiastes chapter number 7 and verse number 13. Let's look at our text and then we're going to look at some other verses real quickly tonight. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter number 7, one verse, verse number 13 Notice what it said, consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? I deal with lumber all the time, and this looks like some lumber that I've bought at Lowe's. Brother Jurgen's not here, no offense to him. But, uh, but I'll not go there. But, but uh, just for the sake of illustration tonight, who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? So I want to speak to us tonight for just a few moments on considering the work of God. Considering the work of God. As we read and study the Word of God, we learn that there are many, many works of God. 
The Bible references so many works of God. In Genesis chapter 2, verse number 2, And on the seventh day God ended His work which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from, from all His work which He had made. And so we see the work of creation. Exodus 14, verse 31, and, uh, and Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. Exodus 32, verse 16, And the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. Deuteronomy 32, verse number 4, The Bible says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. Notice that phrase, His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. Psalms 8, verse number 3. Is all these on the screen? Okay. Psalms 8, verse number 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which um, thou hast ordained. Psalm 64, verse number 9. And all men shall fear and declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider of his doing. Psalm 77, verse number 12. I will meditate also of thy work and talk of all thy doings. Psalms 111, verse number 3. His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endureth forever. Ecclesiastes 3, verse number 11. He hath made everything beautiful in His time. Also He has set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Ecclesiastes 7, uh, chapter 8, verse number 17. Then I beheld all the work of God, that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. Because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall find it, yet shall he not find it. Yea, further, though a man, uh, though a wise man uh, think to know it, he shall, uh, yet shall he not be able to find it. Isaiah chapter 29, verse number 14. Therefore, behold, I proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of the prudent shall be hid. John 6, 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him, who he, whom he hath sent. Job 37, verse number 14, Hearken unto this, O Job, stand still, and consider the wondrous works of God. And there are many other references that we could look at tonight where the Bible speaks of the work of God, or the works of God, how marvelous they are, how great they are. And I tell you, anything that God does, it is something to marvel at. It is something to be amazed at. And there are many things that He's done. I'm, I, I've spent a great deal talking with the young people about creation and all that God has done in creating man. Our young people are bombarded with evolution and society is so, so filled with the false doctrine and the false teachings of evolution and, and our young people need to know that God created everything and God created them. God created this world and, uh, and they need to know that. I tell you in these days that they're living, they need to know that and I would encourage if you've got teenagers, if you've got children in the house, you should sit down with them and read Genesis chapter number 1 and Genesis chapter number 2 with them and help them to understand that, hey, God created everything and God created them because this world, hey, listen, society is trying to take God out of everything. And evolution has done that. 
And, uh, and so these young people growing up, they don't, they don't know about God. They don't understand that there's a God in heaven. They don't understand that there's somebody who's in charge and there's a great God that created everything. They don't understand that. And that's the works of God. There's many works. But here in our verse that we read tonight, he said, uh, consider the work of God. And here's the work. For who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? That's the work of God that we're going to look at tonight. You know, there, 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 in this verse, there, there are many works of God, but in this verse, he is speaking of a divine work of God. I t- we tell our young people all the time that God's got a purpose, and God's got a plan for them. And we tell them that, and that's great for the young people. But we, as adults, we need to be reminded of that. God's got a plan and God's got a purpose for every person. If you're alive this this evening, if you're breathing, everybody take a deep breath with me. Man, if you did that, if you're breathing tonight, God's got a plan and God's got a purpose for you tonight. And it's a divine work of God. But in our verse, we see that God has made things crooked for a purpose. He's made things crooked. Sometimes our life looks like this. Sometimes we look at our life or we look at others and uh, we see a crooked life. But we need to understand that God's God's got a work going on and God's doing something. And uh, God's at work. And boy, I'm thankful that I'm thankful that my life is in the hand of God. Boy, I'm thankful that God's in control. I'm thankful that my life is not dependent upon me. Uh, Hey, listen, I I realize tonight that God's in charge. And listen, I want Him to be in control of my life every day. This uh, this world is rough. Man, this world will spit you out. And this world will chew you up. And the devil, he wants to destroy your life. And he wants to to kill you. And he wants to destroy you. And Jesus said that's what he's going to do with us if we're not careful. And I'm telling you, I want him in control of my life. I want him to guide my steps. I I want him to lead me. You know, and sometimes it seems that our life as we walk on this earth, that our life looks like this. God's got a purpose. God's got a plan for it all. I want us to look real quickly. I want us to think about the sovereignty of God. In this verse, in this verse again, it says, for, uh, Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? When I was growing up, we're, we've honor, we're honoring our mothers today, and uh, it's Mother's Day. Soon we'll, we'll, we'll uh, have Father's Day, and we'll honor our fathers. But uh, growing up, you know, I, my parents, their, their word was the law. And I can remember growing up when sometimes they just told me and my brother and sister no just because they wanted to make sure that we understood what no meant. For no other reason. They didn't have an explanation. It's just because I said so. That's good enough. That's the way it was. And they wanted us to know growing up, Brother Wilbur, they wanted us to know that they were the parents and we were the children. They were in charge and it was our job and our responsibility to obey them. And if we didn't do that, I'm telling you, there was, was some crying and there was some moaning in the woodshed. I grew up, I grew up we had peach trees. And uh, they didn't produce peach. They produced these little pe- uh, puny little small peaches. 
And uh, man, they were, they were good for nothing. But that peach tree was just perfect for switches. And I can tell you, how many of you, listen, let's just all be honest tonight. Uh, how many of you ever had your mouth washed out with soap? Okay, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I've had that happen many times. You say, oh man, that's child abuse. Hey, don't tell my mom that. And ivory soap, that bar of ivory soap, it don't taste good at all. And, uh, and then that peach tree. Man, I can remember many times dad going out and plucking the switch off of that tree. That's all that tree was good for. I remember today, hallelujah, I remember today that I got enough boldness and maybe dad okayed it, I don't know, but I took the axe or the chainsaw and cut all them peach trees down. They didn't give us any peaches. All they did was cause me misery and heartache. And now looking back, if I'd have just done what I was supposed to, maybe, maybe that peach tree would have produced peaches. I don't know. I was hard-headed. And... Uh, but, uh, but you know, but mom and dad was in charge in the family. And I want to tell you tonight, there's a God in heaven and he's in charge and he's in control. I'm thankful for the sovereignty of God. Hey, listen, he is the, he is the ruler with absolute power. I'm thankful that he's in control of everything. All this mess that we're going through and everything that our nation is facing, hey, isn't caught God by surprise? And I think we're experiencing the judgment of God. He's in control of it all. Boy, and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful I'm not trusting in Biden tonight. Hallelujah. And uh, hey, listen, I'm thankful. Listen, my hope is in God and he is, and, and he is a sovereign one and he's in control of everything. God's in charge. He doesn't answer to anybody. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that tonight. Listen, he doesn't have a committee that he's got to meet with and figure things out and take a vote on to see if they need to. No, he's in charge and he's in control. Hallelujah. And sometimes he takes things that are crooked and they can't be straightened out and he's got a purpose and he's got a plan for it. Many of our lives, we went through those times and in our lives, we look at our lives and we look and we say, man, well, our lives are so messed up and it's so crooked and, and uh, man, I, what, what in the world? God can't, but he's got a plan. He's got a plan for it all. The sovereignty of God. God sees what we can't see. I'm thankful for that tonight. I'm so thankful for that tonight. Y'all know, know about our family. We gave our life 25 years to the Venture Faith Camp. And uh, God moved us from there. And, uh, uh, and, and, and at the time, you know, it was, it was, some, it was some dark days. It was some tough times. And, and even, uh, you know, but now looking back on it, I look and I see that God's hand was in every bit of it. God's hand was in, man, it looked crooked. And it looked like, man, what in the world is going on? God, you called us into the ministry. And Lord, what are you doing with our lives? But now as we look back on it, boy, I'm thankful that God was in control. And I look back on it, man, I'm thankful. Man, the Phillips family would have been hurting. We'd have been the ones at the interstate with the signs hungry. We'd have been the ones at the interstate with, with work for food. Anything helps. That would have been us. God knew all along what he was doing. God's got a plan. He's in control. We may think our lives look like this, but he's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And I'm so thankful for that tonight. The sovereignty of God. I want to say to you tonight real quickly that God's plan is far greater than the ones we could ever come up with. 
And you and I, we try to connive or we try to figure things out in our lives and try to make it better. And, and uh, man, we make a mess of things so many times. We'll just understand that God's in control. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And it's a divine work of God. Consider the work of God. And then real quickly tonight, let's look. We can look at some other verses. We're not going to do that tonight. But let's look real quickly at the insignificance of man. The insignificance of man. You know, the psalmist, he cried out in Psalms. I don't remember what psalm it was, but he cried out. He said, what is man? And that, you know, that's our life. And we think about who God is and how great and how mighty and, and think about his sovereignty and just who he is and uh, how he's in charge. Hey, look at our lives. And man, we're like, we're, we're nobody. We're nothing. The insignificance of man. And King Solomon, he realized that. He tried to search everything out. And uh, in his life, he looked to everything. And he realized at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, you go and read it. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. Fear God. But what the insignificance of man. I tell you, you and I, we can't change our lives. We can do everything we can, but we're not in control. We may think that we are, and we think that we can, you know, we can manipulate things, and we can do, you know, and, and, but we're nobody. God's in charge. God's in charge. We see that. We're limited in our ability. I was, I was out visiting yesterday. I left the fish fry here yesterday afternoon, and... Um, Went and visited my bus route. It's been a while since I visited the whole route, so I took all afternoon and, and visited and just had a great time and, and was visiting one of our uh, family, one of the families, the kids come and, and uh, uh, was talking with the grandmother uh, who has uh, the guardian or custody of the kids right now. And, and uh, she was telling me, she said, not, not the trailer next to me, but one. Next to them, said the, uh, the people moved out, and I knew they did because we picked up the boy. Now he rides uh, Brother King's bus. I knew he had moved, and she said that there's, there's another family moved in there. She said, I think they got kids. You need to stop talk to them. I said, I'll do that. And so when I left her house, this way, I pulled my truck into to that yard and, and uh, walked up there. And, and uh, actually, I was on the phone with Brother Harrelson when I pulled into the yard, and I didn't realize that the, the uh, lady of the house, she was at the door watching me. And when I did, that's what I told Brother Harrelson. I called you right back and hung up on him and got out of the truck, introduced myself to the lady, and uh, asked her, I said, you, or told her, I said, your neighbor, uh, just two trailers down, said that uh, you've got some children. We used to pick up kids here. They moved. And, and uh, she said, well, I, I've just got a small one, like a two-year-old, two three-year-old. And I said, well, we, you know, we can't, we can't ride them on the bus or let them ride on the bus without you. And I noticed that she had been crying. And um, so I talked to her. I invited her to church. And, and uh, she said, listen, she said, I'm sorry. She said, I don't mean to be rude, but I really got to go. And uh, she, her, her eyes were red. You could see where she'd been crying. The tears were dried on her cheek. And, and uh, she said, we just buried my dad. And and uh, she said, we've got some things that we've got to go attend to. And she said, I'm sorry, I've, just, I've got to go. And, uh, and so I, um, I told her, I said, well, I, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that. And uh, I asked where, where he lived and, 
you know, and, and what happened. And he was 56 years old, I think, died, passed away of cancer, didn't uh, survive very long after they found out he had cancer, just kind of tragic situation. And they had moved from, I forget what, moved from Florida somewhere, I don't remember where, uh, to come up and uh, live and, and take care of their dead. And just, I mean, he, he didn't last long at all. And, uh, and she was just, and she began to just tear up again. And I said, uh, I said, listen, I said, I know you got to go, and I don't want to hinder you. I said, but can I have a word of prayer with you? And um, she stepped out of the trailer. We were talking, you know, with the door open. She was inside, and I was on the porch. So she stepped outside, and, and I, said, uh, I said, you know, what's, what's your name? And she told me her name, and I said, well, if you don't mind, I, I said, I can't do much. I said, but I'd just like to have a word of prayer with you and just ask God to help you all during these times. And I, we prayed, and I asked God to help her, and just said, said a short prayer. Boy, she was just crying, and, and, um, and, uh, and then she said that, um, you know, that uh, she would, I gave her some information from the church. I told her, I said, you know, if you need anything, please call the church. Here's my number. We'll do everything possible that we can to help you during this time. And, and uh, just, you know, we just want you to know I'm, I'm still praying for you. And, uh, and as, as I talked with her, I realized how insignificant and I realized how, how, that, uh, how the, the ability that I had, I couldn't help this lady. I mean, everything that I, the only thing that I knew to do, and I, this has happened to me twice on visitation. I, but it's happened one time in, in, on Reader's Circle uh, when we were out visiting. And uh, having to, to talk with somebody at their door when a loved one had just passed away and they're still, still crying and just broken over that. And I was just limited in my ability. What do you do? What do you say? And all I knew to do was just call out to God. But I want to tell you tonight, you know, our abilities, uh, they're, you know, we can't change things in our life. We can't change the circumstances in our life. God's in control. The insignificance of man. And then real quickly, I want us to look at the importance of the work. And we've already mentioned this, but notice what our text says tonight. It says, consider the work of God. Consider the work of God. It is the work of God. That crookedness that's in our life. Those things that, you know, we just look at and we think, man, how, how is all this going to work out? I'm just, I'm just about ready to give up on everything. And uh, I, you know, I tried to serve God and I tried to live for Him and this is what I get. I'm tired of it. But we need to understand that it's the work of God. Well, he's got a plan. He's got a purpose far greater than we'll ever understand. It's the work of God. And it's for his glory. It's for his glory. We've all, we all know what these crooked times and these crooked paths and the crookedness in our life, we, we know what it represents. Every, probably every time I hold this up and you look at it, you're thinking about your life. And uh, you're thinking about those crooked times in your life. And we've had so many people in our church to go through those days. I think about Josh and Kelly, and I think about Sister Pearl. Man, what a, what a godly lady she is. And you know, it seems like for the last, my goodness, maybe 10 years or so, it's just been 
time after time, taking care of Brother Richard, Brother Mike, or something. And what a sweet, godly lady she is. And it just seems like that that's the lot, that's the plan of God for her life. And so many others. And you know what we're talking about tonight. But it is for His glory. I, it's been a while since I've been over to Sister Pearl's house. But the few times that, that I've been over there when Mike's been sick, when, when Brother Atkinson was really sick and after he had passed away, and, and uh, she was just so appreciative and just, just so wanted to honor and glorify God. Sister Jenkins and many others tonight, we start calling names and, and uh, we'll be bringing up things that, that uh, maybe will cause us to, to start shedding a tear and thinking about it. But, but it's, all, it's, all for the, it's all the work of God and it's for His glory. We don't understand it. We may never understand it here on this earth. Why do we go through those times? Why our lives are so crooked and so bent? We may never understand it. We may never have the answer for it. And, and, and we always say, well, when we get to heaven, we'll understand it. I tell you, when we get to heaven, it won't matter anymore. We'll be with our Savior. And we'll be with Him where uh, in heaven in all its glory and all the wonders and there'll be no more sin and no more heartache and no more crying, no more shedding of tears, no more death. And so this crooked life that we have here on this earth won't matter anymore. So we may never understand it. But it, just take it that it's for His honor and for His glory. Let me give you the conclusion tonight and we'll be done. The conclusion tonight you know, if we consider the work of God, he said, consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? If we consider the work of God, it would change our attitude towards adversity. It changed our attitude towards adversity. Notice in verse number 14, notice what he said. He said that uh, in the day of prosperity, be joyful, but in the day of adversity, consider God also hath set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. You know, if we would just consider the work of God, it would change our whole attitude towards adversity. I, I can remember going through times in my life and thinking and then just remembering and reading the Word of God and just getting along with God and pouring my heart out to God and, and, uh, and God just reminding me, that, hey, it's in my hands and I've got a plan and it's far bigger than you'll ever figure out, far bigger than, than you'll ever dream. And if you'll just trust me, I'll get you through this. I've got a plan and I've got a purpose. Boy, when I began to think like that, boy, it just changes the whole attitude. It just changes everything. We have no control. God has everything in His hand. If you notice in that verse, verse number 14, He said, in the day, notice that word day, the day of prosperity. And then He says, in the day of adversity. I'm thankful that he put a date in there. That day, that, remember, that represents to me that it's got a beginning and thank God it's going to have an end. Boy, I'm thankful for that tonight. You know, those difficult times and those, those times that we go through, we may not like it, we may not understand. Thank God that it's got a beginning and, and hallelujah, thank God that it does have an end. Thank God for that. Should change our attitude. Number two, in the conclusion, it keep our life balanced. Notice verses number 16 and 17. Notice what the Bible says, Be not righteous over much, neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? Be not over much wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldest thou die before 
thy time. And so, and so in reading those verses, all I got to say is just don't go to extremes. Just consider the work of God and, uh, and see His hand in it. And it will help keep our lives balanced. Pastor Ward, you've heard him say it so many times behind this pulpit. Don't let your highs get so high and don't let your lows get real low. Just, just keep a happy medium in there. And boy, that's the way God wants us to live our lives. God's got a plan and God's got a purpose. And it'll keep our lives balanced. And number three, the promise of God. The promise of God. And this is, what, this is really what I wanted to close with tonight. Notice in verse number Verse number 18, I believe it is. Verse number 18. It is, it is good that thou shouldest take hold of this. Yea, also from this withdraw not thine hand. And notice this phrase, For he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. He that feareth God shall come forth of them all. Ladies and gentlemen, all I can say is just trust God. And His ways are far his ways are far better than ours. But when he can see, he already knows, he's already in our tomorrows. He's in our next week, our next years. He's already there. He's here today, but he's, he's already experiencing our Mondays for us. One of the kids on the bus, they were talking about, man, they couldn't wait for Monday to come. And I forget what they were doing tomorrow. But me and Brother Malcolm, we said, man, you get to be a working man, you don't want Mondays to come. <laughs> you want Sunday afternoon to stay. You want Sunday, so you can stay in church and Sunday afternoon, enjoy that nap. That's what you live for when you become a working man. And, uh, but you know, the promise of God, he said, he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. Boy, I'm thankful for that tonight. I've been talking with the young people, and it's been several weeks ago, we looked at a verse, and, and hopefully they... They, they chose to memorize this verse in Proverbs chapter number 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. I read that verse in my Bible reading last month, I believe it was. That verse stuck out to me. I've read it, I don't know, maybe hundreds of times. It stuck out, it stuck out to me like a sore thumb. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life. Everything that we want in life is found in the fear of the Lord in that verse. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life. We want life. We want long life. He that hath it shall abide satisfied. We want satisfaction in life. Do we not? We, and uh, he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Man, we want peace in our life. Do we not? The fear of the Lord is found in the fear of the Lord. And the Bible says in, the, in Ecclesiastes, he said that um, he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. I want to tell you, God will get us through those crooked times. And God, it's God's work. He, he'll choose, he'll choose maybe to straighten it out, to straighten that crooked life out and that crookedness that we're so accustomed to in our lives and we see it in our life. It's all him. We just need to fear him and trust him. And live for Him. There's other verses that we can look at tonight, but I feel like we need to close uh, this evening. The fear of the Lord. I don't know, I don't know what you're going through tonight. I honestly, I, I know that this is the message that God wanted me to share with you tonight. Consider the work of God. We don't know what we're going to face in the upcoming days. We don't know what we're going to face in the upcoming years. And, uh, but I want to tell you, it's all the work of God. Consider the work of God. Let's all stand.
Jonathan's making his way to the piano tonight. We're going to have a moment of invitation. I don't know what your need is tonight, but I want to tell you, hey, listen, if you're disturbed, if you're troubled tonight about what's going on in your life, I want to tell you tonight, God's in control. Consider it the work of God.